The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody. My name is Tatiana Tolliver-Hughes, and I wanted to welcome you to Perfecting Professionalism on Paper, brought to you by ACB students. So today is essentially going to be a resume workshop and walkthrough where we're going to be giving you guys a rundown of how to properly format your resume and what you can do to really grab the hiring director's attention whenever you're applying for jobs and internships. So um, before we get started, I know that I've stated my name and I am coming to you guys from Charleston, West Virginia. Um, would anyone like to share their name and where they're tuning in from? Malia? Hello. My name is Malia Thibodeau. I'm tuning in from Pell City, Alabama. And excited to be here. Awesome. Um, do any other folks have their hand raised? My name is Mitchell Bridwell, and I am currently tuned in from, um, I'll just say Danville, Indiana, because that's relatively where I am right now. Awesome. All right. If we have no other folks, I will continue and I'll just introduce our first speaker. So please correct me if I mispronounce anything, but um, I'm so excited to announce that we will be speaking with Amar Ursini. He is coming from Washington University and is heading the Career Center there. He is going to be giving us um, a, a pretty, pretty in-depth presentation on just the resume format process. So with that, I will hand it over. Thank you so much, uh, Tatiana. Hello, everyone. My name, again, is, is, is Amher, and I am one of the assistant directors of career development at Washington University in St. Louis, and I'm incredibly excited here today to talk to you a little bit about something that's incredibly important for the search process, whether it's a job, an internship, graduate school, and that is your resume. And I think I have to say that resumes are changing with the changes that we're seeing within AI these days. So what that means is the world of resume writing is going to be a lot different as the years progress, given ChatGPT and how students are working with their resume and also how students are writing cover letters, which we won't get to talk about today, but something for you to keep in mind, and how employers are screening job search documents. But I think it's really important for us to have a baseline understanding of what resumes are and how we can utilize them in the future as we start applying or even in the present if you're working on your job applications now. The content of my presentation is about, you know, a lot around 20 minutes. And then I'm really hoping that you ask questions that I can help answer and uh, by using the raise hand feature um, for the last 10 minutes of my presentation. And that'll be kind of my time here today. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen and provide detailed descriptions on writing a resume. So 
what we what this what I'm sharing my screen is actually from Washington University in St. Louis's resume handout. So basically what that means is this is a handout that we've created that's very, very long. It's very dense. It's a very interesting document that's going to go over resume development. And really what we think about resumes is it's your ability to tell an employer and market your skills and experiences to that employer. So everyone should have a resume because I'm sure everyone is thinking a little bit about their professional development. Um, I think resumes look different depending on each person, but there are some general resume tips that we should all keep in mind that I'll go over here today. And I think what's really important with resumes, as I talked about earlier, AI and the and how we write resumes, it's, it's going to be changing. So know that maybe a few years down the road, some of this information may not be relevant because of the changes that are existing in our world. So I want to go over some kind of basic tips about resumes and um, maybe we'll start with some kind of what not to include. I think it's really important to talk about what to include, but also really talk about what not to include. So I think it's really important to know that you actually do not need to have your physical mailing address in your resume. That's no longer needed. A few years ago, maybe it was more common, but now you do not need a physical mailing address in your resume. So consider maybe replacing that with a LinkedIn URL. So if you don't have a LinkedIn, I know this is not about resumes, but you should definitely make a LinkedIn profile to help you network and connect and learn more about companies and organizations. Um, if you don't have a LinkedIn, you may have a website that you've developed or a portfolio. Maybe you're a writer in a blog. So make sure you use social media like LinkedIn instead of a mailing address, because let's be honest, no one's mailing anything as much anymore, especially uh, hiring managers. So no longer need your mailing address, but replace that with a LinkedIn or a portfolio or a website that you are, have been really working hard in. I think summary statements are no longer needed uh, in a resume. So let's just stick to kind of the basics in resume, especially as, we, as maybe for some of us, this may be our first resume or maybe our, one of our first kind of resumes that we're working on. So typically what happens in a resume is you have your contact information first. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. I'm going to go scroll down here, scrolling down to maybe a sample resume um, and what their contact information is. And that's kind of in the center alignment of your page. So contact information is typically in the center of your page and it has your first and last name. This could be in bold if you wanna have your name stand out a little bit and just has your first and last name. You don't need to include your middle name if you have a middle name, just your first and last. And right underneath that, in that center alignment as well, is your email address. And for those of us who are college students, please brand within your, your uh, actual university. So you should actually have your university's email address listed there. So that would be for me, ammer at wustle.edu. So right below your first and last name, center alignment is your email and your telephone number. So I do think telephone number is actually pretty important because if you are getting an, a call for an interview, they're probably going to call you or email you. Uh, and remember, no more physical mailing address. But what you could put in there is your LinkedIn URL. So that's your contact us section. Middle alignment center of the page, first and last name, and then you skip to the second line, email, 
And I would kind of have a kind of a space or a barrier, like a kind of dash in between your email, your telephone number. And then if you want, you can also have your LinkedIn URL. And that's all in the center. Okay. And that's really how you start a resume. And I'm kind of talking about a one page resume here. You know, everyone's resume is unique and different, but we can talk about the basics here. And after that, what you should do after your contact information is you go into your education. So um, for us, this might be undergraduate students or graduate students, or maybe some people who uh, attended high school, whatever your experience is, your education. So I typically work with uh, students in college, university level. So that's what I'll talk about here today. So for, for my students, what I would say is you need to left align. So you're in the center for contact us. So now skip a line and left align education. That's your first header, your next header here. And really what you should start with, it should have, you know, maybe education and maybe an underline underneath it. And what you could do there is list your university's name below that education header. So that could say Washington University in St. Louis. And then what you do from there is write a line. And so you're going left to right a lot here in resume writing, as, as you can see, St. Louis, Missouri. So some of you who are in universities may use a system, which is kind of an AI system, to help you build your resume. So if you're, if you're using that and inputting information, just know that you can... A lot of that technology works for you. Just please ask your university what you use, okay? If you're a part of a university. But for just general purposes, you're going to write education as your first header on the left alignment. Right below it, you put your university's name. Just in regular, you know, regular font. You don't need to, I just say Times New Roman font 12 or, you know, just a basic font. Um, basic uh, 10 to 12 point font. Um, and we don't really want to use italics because italics um, are a little bit kind of not the best visually. And I do think that using underlines and bolds, that, that differentiates sections enough. So I go ahead and underline the education section and then below that, write my university name. And then that's on the left alignment still. And on the right alignment, I put the location. For me, it's St. Louis, Missouri. So St. Louis, is st and then dot lewis and then you put a comma and then mo for the state below your university you put your your degree so that could for me maybe is bachelor candidate for bachelor of arts so that's my kind of degree title and then i write a comma and then a space of when am i going to graduate for me okay may 2024 so that that may 2024 can go right after your your candidacy for a Bachelor of Arts, or it can go on the right alignment, okay? And we're staying, you know, for, for example purpose, let's stay on the left alignment side, right under education still. Below that, you're gonna list your major, so biochemistry, and then comma minor. And I always put colons after major minor, and maybe I put my uh, minor Spanish. Okay? So that's the, your basic education information. You might include GPA, or other honors like scholarships, if you would like to. Uh, but typically, you can just put your degree title and major and minors. And um, you can, if you have a really high GPA, I'd say 3.5 or above, list your GPA if you would like. Or if you have um, any honors, you can list that too. How I'd list that is just on the left alignment side still. 
colon, and then maybe write Dean's list or GPA is 3.48 out of 4.0. And then if you are a first year student, sometimes they list their high school diploma still and they just write out, you know, Xavier High School, comma, May 2020, because that's when I graduated. And then on the right alignment, of course, I'm going to put Pittsburgh PA because that's where my high school was. I don't think you need that after your first year of college, right? And in general, I don't think you need it at all. So it's optional. If you're applying for a job at your high school, maybe that's a good idea to put it, okay? So let's go into the next section. So I'm going to keep it on left alignment and I'm gonna write experience next. This could be work experience, professional experience, volunteer experience. It really just depends on what the content of your experiences, your experiential education has been so far. You may have a lot of research experience, you may have a lot of work experience, you may have a lot of leadership and community engagement experience, whatever that may be. It really depends on the person, but really the middle of your resume is gonna be about your, your bulk experience, okay? So what we start with here is left alignment, writing out the word experience and underlining that because that's I'm saying consistent with my formatting. And what I would do there is then dive into the, the work that you're doing. So it could be that I worked at Uptown Cafe as a head waiter. So for me, I would write Uptown Cafe on my left alignment. And below that, I'd write head waiter. So that's right below that, still left alignment. But on the same line as the Uptown Cafe where I worked, I would write location. So for the, me, it would be Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So Pittsburgh, comma, PA on the right alignment side because left alignment is more descriptive text. Right alignment here is member location. And now we're going to add another element to it. It's dates too. So um, I would scroll back down to the kind of job title. So head waiter. And I would write, I served there from June to August, 2021. And June to August, 2022. It was my summer job, okay? So that way on the left-hand side, it is descriptive text and about kind of my company, my role, and we'll go into bullet point statements in a second. And then the right-hand side is more about my, my state that I lived in and served and worked there and then the time spent, okay? And now the main kind of, main course of your actual resume is going to be bullet point statement writing. So bullet point statements to me are the most important part of your resume, okay? So they usually start with an action verb and we wanna you know, jump to the action. So I'm gonna go ahead and scroll down on my handout to page 13, where it talks about different types of action verbs. So if you led a project, good action verbs could be chaired, executed, planned, produced, for example. Each kind of concept area has a nice verb that fits in it. So this might be a good idea for you to kind of come out with your thesaurus and kind of write good action verbs. And what you're doing is you're describing what you did, how you did it, and what was the impact or lesson learned. So for example, I might write, for my, my waiter job, trained 15 servers in procedures and customer service skills. So that's like a general resume bullet point that can describe the work that you're doing, okay? So 
always ask yourself when you're writing these bullet points, am I starting with an action verb? That's really important. That really sets the scene. It describes what I did, trained, resolved, provided, participated. And I'm saying, what did I do? Okay, I trained 15 servers. And how did I do it? Well, in procedures and customer service skills. And that's, of course, really important to that industry. Okay. So you're going to write out every single experience and you're going to keep a space in between the experiences. So I may start with my waiter job and then right below I have a space and then I start another job where I was a volunteer and I'm going to follow the same formatting principles. The left side, company, below that, my job title. And then starting on the other side, right alignment, location, time served, and then going back to the left, writing bullet point statements. And then you're gonna do a space again. And then the last section students typically have is skills. So they might talk about their proficiency in language or, or tech. So for example, I'm proficient in Spanish and I'm proficient in Adobe work Photoshop. Okay? And that's like a basic one page resume. And I have to say, what's really important with resume writing, and especially with the changes we were seeing in AI is you can have like a master resume, like a, a resume that has a lot of different information, but then you need to personalize your resume per the job description. So that means that I have this basic format that I've written down. I have all these different experiences. It's clear, it's consistent, it's organized. But then what I wanna do is I wanna personalize it per, per the job that I'm applying to. So the employers can kind of recognize my resume especially if they're using something called an applicant tracking system. So this is an AI-based system that filters through a resume and makes sure that you have the keywords that they're using that's listed in your resume. So of course, we're not going to fluff up our resume or, or, or make state on two things. But if I realize that, oh, I did create a manual for um, standard operating procedures when I was a waiter, and they're looking for that in the job. So I might change a bullet point here and there. So always have a baseline resume and then expand upon that as you move forward. So you can kind of fully, fully go through. And every resume is very different. As I said before, we went over a basic resume of education, experience, and skills. Well, your resume might have research and clinical experience. It may have teaching experience in it. It may have leadership and, and community engagement experiences. It may have publications and presentations. Everyone's really different in their resume. What I really, really want to encourage each of you who have access to a university as, as your main resource is to meet with a career advisor, a career coach, or someone in your office to go over your resume, because that's going to be very, very important moving forward. And they're going to go over a lot of the basic information that I covered. And I want you to remember that you're going to eventually tailor your resume, but having a good basic uh, baseline resume is important. So you can kind of build from there and you're going to personalize from there. Okay. So um, I would not include also hobbies and interests and personal travel. I think that's not really needed in, in a resume. And maybe that's something you talk about in an interview, um, but you really don't really even need of relevant coursework. Resumes are really about your experiential education, what you're doing outside of the classroom. And sometimes, of course, in the classroom, if you're, if you're a part of kind of cool engineering projects in school. Okay. 
I feel like I've talked a lot, you know, I, I don't want to kind of just talk. I want to answer questions too. And I know I, you know, I, I kind of covered this very quickly. This is just an entry-level one-on-one version of this. Everyone should be working on your, their resume and diving deeper into it within their career centers within their universities. Okay. So if you're a WashU student, please, please, please meet with a career advisor. Okay? And WashU stands for my university, Washington University in St. Louis. But yeah, did I miss anything okay. or questions? Um, I think before we get into questions, I want to just ask a couple of um, specific things to help some of our viewers uh, get a more detailed idea of what could help their resume. Um, so would you suggest maybe adding in courses that fall into the ideal job description that they're applying to? I would say listing your courses is not as necessary as, as most people think it is because your, your degree title speaks to the coursework. So if you're a political science major, they know that you're taking classes around government and law and policy and public relations. For me, what's more important is what are you doing that is projects within the course? So if like if you're if you're if you're researching, you could write a little bit about that if you would like. But I would focus on jobs, leadership, uh, internships. Those are typically what we see in resumes. But if you kind of need to if you don't have those experiences yet, you might want to talk about course projects in your resume. OK, and. As far as just describing information, is there a preference for um, quantitative phrasing? So like definitely like using numbers and statistics where you can. You always want to use numbers as much as you can. That's a great kind of aspect of bullet point writing. Numbers really jump out on a resume. And if you see numbers on a resume, people are definitely going to notice it a bit more. And you want to make sure that your resume numbers really highlight, you know, if, if you're talking about uh, fundraising, what, how much money did you fundraise? If you talk about Instagram engagement, well, how much did you increase Instagram engagement? And usually analytics pages of social media really show that. So yes, numbers are really, really important, but descriptive text is, is important too. Okay, awesome. And I also just want to emphasize, um, like it was said previously, if you are at universities, there are career center resources to help you. There are also counselors. I found that advisors and even peers are just great people to bounce information off of, to see how it sounds, make sure it's in the correct placement. It's really about getting all of the things down on the page. And then it is fully acceptable to have, um, you know, a new set of eyes look over that resume and make sure that the formatting is aligning everywhere you want it to go. Um, all right, so now I think we are ready for questions. If any folks have their hand ra hands raised. Mitchell. Awesome. Hello. Um, so something that re uh, stuck out to me just in my, the past for me, but also I'm curious what your all your opinions are on this. Um, a lot of those systems that like generate your um, resumes aren't actually very accessible to just with screen readers. And so I think in, in general, I think a lot of people who may have no sight whatsoever, like they have, like, at least for me, sometimes I have no concept of like, 
And like, if someone is available to actually like look at the format, because it's super important. And I noticed that when going into like different internships, I was like, wow, your uh, um, resume looks great. But I'm curious what you would suggest besides like having like a set of eyes, like look over it. How would you suggest going about that? Um, yeah, so I can I can take that if you'd like. Um, so what I would suggest doing a little bit on that portion is just making sure that you have everything listed in like a straight line um, to make sure that you have all the information that you need first and foremost. And if right. you can't fledge things like to um, to the right, like if you can't like fledge the dates to the right, make sure that they are on a completely separate line um, so that it is still well organized in that order. All and right, I know that we do know. have, yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll get a little more into that um, with Sarah in a little bit. Yeah. Yes, I just unmuted. Okay. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to interject here or I hope. I um, yeah, so honestly, if you have any tips that you would like to give, feel free. Okay. Hi there. And I am, I'm, I'm legally blind. So in the last 10, 15 years, I've had to use a, um, a screen reader myself. And uh, I would recommend two things. One, uh, Microsoft uh, Office uh, 365 as a part of the Word docu uh, document, they have resume templates that I find uh, accessible where you can copy and paste. You know, you again, just as Tatiana stated, list out that information in a word, you know, format, just basic. And then you copy and paste, put your name, email address, et cetera, into the template. Save that. But more importantly, I am a, uh, you know, I'm an experienced recruiting uh, uh, manager and director for corporations. I still rely on tools like IRA where they can remote access onto my computer, look at my resume, because I cannot tell if I've been consistent with the font, the sizes, uh, the alignment, if I tabbed over two extra times, those sorts of things. So that physical uh, individual can take my resume and clean that up from a cosmetic perspective and make sure that it looks uh, comparable to everyone else's resume. So that would be my suggestion. And or if you obviously have a, a cited, you know, family member or friend that is good from a formatting and cosmetic, um, you know, appeal can do that as well. So that's my recommendation. Hello, my name is Bhavya. Thank you so much for your presentation and also for this session. Um, I just wanted to ask about length a little bit. I know you briefly mentioned the resume as being a one-page document. How stringent is that expectation, do you think, among recruiters today? Um, are there contexts in which lengthier resumes are acceptable? And how do we balance having more experiences with shorter or fewer bullet points versus having fewer experiences but experience in greater detail? Yes. Thank you so much for that great question. So I think it really depends on the person. That's where uni the uniqueness of resume writing really exists is typically we want to highlight a one page resume. 
However, what you should be doing is creating a master resume. What I mean is an all-encompassing resume that is just has everything on it. And then what you should be doing is personalizing what you pick and choose to apply to a position. Because if you have three camp counselor roles, you probably don't need to have all three on your resume that you apply to. So that can help cut down on pages. Um, some of my students who are advanced degrees, they have two-page resumes, and that's just how it is. Some of my pre-med seniors have two-page resumes. It just is their breadth of experience that they need to highlight in their in their actual application. So I'd say like try to stick to two pages, but I sorry one page. And um, if you go to the second page, ask yourself: Am I being redundant in any place that I can remove certain items, or can I shorten up bullet point statements because are my bullet point statements being redundant? And that way you, what you can do is you can kind of like pick and choose like, okay, these three bullet point statements really talk about teamwork. Well, I really only need two bullet point statements on teamwork. So I'm going to delete this and that's going to make room for my resume. So is it a hard and fast rule that you always, always, always have to have a one page resume? No, I don't think so. But employers, especially with undergraduate students are expecting a one page resume. So if you could maybe just kind of clean it up to be a page, avoid those redundancies, then yeah, we should try to stick to that. Matthew? So hi, thank, thank you. Thanks again for the, the wonderful Ooh. presentation. I feel like I, I learned a lot about that. So um, in terms of like the experience, right? Uh, does it really matter like, you know, whether it's internships or jobs or is there something that really stands out? for an employer like do they like when you have like previous job experiences or really this just anything does it matter like yeah great question matthew i think that what matters most is the alignment between your resume and what they're looking for that could be exemplified through a job and a previous internship a volunteer yeah. experience a club or activity that you did, what really matters most, and this is the personalization element of resume writing, is the right. alignment. It's the bridge between you and the employer. So that could be exemplified through a variety of different types of experiences. And would it help if like, would it be a good idea to like maybe look at the, at the website and see what kind of things like they do and maybe like possibly connect it to yours? Yeah. Your like, I, yes, I agree. So I definitely think that's a great idea because really what they're looking for is someone who has a sense of belonging within their company. So if they're doing mission-driven work, helping um, refugees, and yes. you've done a lot of volunteerism within the refugee scope and lens, of course, that's what should be highlighted within your resume and eventually when you write a cover letter. So I think really what resume writing is about is having a generalized resume and then personalizing from there. Because what really is important to an employer is the alignment between the job, between the company and you. So I think that every single resume should be at least tweaked a little bit when you're applying to jobs. Right. Gotcha. Thank you. You're welcome. I just want to emphasize the fact that resume writing is not a singular process. It's not something that you do alone. So please, please, please ask for support within your universities, within family, within friends to make sure that your resume writing is not something that you just, it's not just a 
one and done process. It's a continual process of professional development. And for those students who are WashU students on the call, like please know that me and my colleagues are around to help. Awesome. Um, I think before we do let you go, I, ha I do have a question just about references. Um, are those recommended to be put on like the second page of resumes still? References are not a part of the resume. A reference sheet is a separate sheet that is typically not turned in with your resume. It is a separate document that employers may or may not request. And that should be a part of the job application process. You might actually just input that into the application as references, but do not include references on your resume. Okay, all right. Well, Emma, thank you so, so much for your presentation. Um, I know that he, if he hasn't already, uh, he will be dropping the link for his handout into the chat. And um, I will also be sending it to you guys via the mailing list, and it will be sent to you guys through GroupMe if you are included on the chat there. So once again, thank you, Amr. Uh, now we are going to be uh, can I say one switching. Thing? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So I don't have a um, actual chat. So I would say like look for the email because I, I don't see a chat feature in my Zoom to send the link but I, I know that it's going to be sent later for the participants. Oh, okay. Thank you for letting me know. Yes, folks, I will be sure to send that to you through the mailing list. So just keep a lookout for that. Thank you. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now we are going to be switching gears a little bit, and we're going to be talking about the resume from the hiring director perspective. So with that, I am going to be handing it off to Sarah. Great. Thanks so much, Tatiana. Uh, hello, everyone. Either good morning or afternoon, depending upon where you're located. My name is Sarah Freeman-Smith, and I'm based here in Houston, Texas. And I um, have uh, probably over 30 years of human resources recruiting management experience in a variety of industries, oil and gas, chemical companies, manufacturing companies, financial services. And currently, I am doing uh, human resources and quality assurance for an executive career management firm. So uh, in my roles in the past, uh, as a recruiting manager, college recruitment obviously fell down un under my purview and I did quite a bit of campus recruiting both for training programs for major uh, Fortune uh, 100 companies as well as also college recruiting for temporary uh, summer employment um, and even uh, long-term part-time employment from a temporary staffing perspective. So I, I definitely have a lot of experience uh, reviewing resumes and I should add that a portion of my career, I'd probably say two thirds of it, uh, I was fully sighted, but uh, then began to lose my vision and became um, uh, certified as, total, uh, as legally blind and had to start using uh, a screen reader and magnification tools um, probably in the last 10 to 15 years. So I've been on both sides of the spectrum. I know what it should look like physically when I had, you know, a resume in my hand, but now 
navigating it, as I stated earlier, when I responded to that question, it's, it poses a whole new set of unique challenges when you really, you know what it should appear like, but you can't obviously see if that is the case uh, with what you're, you're typing. So uh, what I'd like to do is, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate enough now, since I am not tied to any companies, I can tell you what we really, really want to see on a resume and what we really don't want to see on a resume. So that um, what Emmer just provided was a good fundamental core foundation, but it's like if you know you're building a home, you have to start out with a solid uh, foundation and a base. And then you begin to say, this is going to have three stories. It's going to be a single story. It's going to have been, you know, then you begin to add to it. And so I want to add that kind of caveat because some of the things he said, that was good from a fundamental foundation. But when it hits that recruiter's desk, they're looking for more. So in other words, we're going to put a little meat on the bones. Okay. So I want to first just start out since he gave you the structure of what a resume uh, uh, or, or the format of what a resume would look like. I want to add what is important in what is, is, is also critical when you're doing the resume and, and some things that should not be there. So let's just start again. I'm not screen sharing or anything like that. So remember, he started out with the contact information and he stated, you know, your complete name, absolutely put your LinkedIn profile uh, if you have one and you still can have one, even if you don't have a lot of experience, it would include your university. Uh, you can include uh, the degrees, uh, uh, organizations that you are a part of any type of volunteer work. So you still can have a LinkedIn profile to start to build from. So don't assume just because you don't have a quote unquote paying job that, that, that it's not appropriate or that you cannot have a LinkedIn profile. And in, as you continue your and progress in your career, you can build and take away and add to that. Um, however, he, he did stay putting uh, on your name. One of the things as a recruiter, especially if you have a name that is difficult either to pronounce or sometimes you even go, you put your, your given name, but nobody calls you that except your grandmother or something like that. You can put in parentheses, whatever that nickname is. And when I say that nickname, I'm talking about if your given name is Robert, you may go by Rob or Bobby or Bob. Okay. We want to be as personal when we contact you, just like you are talking to others. So that gives us a little bit more of an ease. Uh, if you have a name that's unusual, the first name to pronounce in people, you know, I, I never will forget. Uh, I, there were times I would have individuals that had 18, 20 letters in their first name. And I'm going, I know I'm going to mess this and butcher this up. But the person would typically put in parentheses, DJ initial, or th there was a shortened version to make that person, whoever that reader is, feel at ease. And remember, the resume is your um, brief, uh, what I like to call it, your Super Bowl ad. It is just something to entice that reader to a call to action. 
The reason they pay so much money for those ads, <clears throat> excuse me, is because they want you to get up off that couch ultimately and go buy that can of Pepsi or go get that bag of chips because the, re- the, the, the advertisement was cool. Well, that's the whole point of the resume. It is to tell enough of a story to want to have that recruiter contact you. So <clears throat> try to make it as easy. You're telling the story. So I go by DJ because, you know, again, my first name may be long. Don't give me the nicknames, you know, Scuba or Scooby-Doo or whatever your, your frat or your sorority, you know, sisters call you. I'm talking more just from, you know, a personalization with the name. Then he stated, um, yes, to put your email address and your phone number. Uh, and he is definitely correct. You don't have to put your full uh, mailing address. However, a recruiter, when we know if we're contacting someone, it would be helpful to put a city location. And the reason being, it gives us an idea of where you're physically located from a time zone perspective. Uh, you may, in your instance, I'm in central time zone. Your uh, phone number may be an East Coast phone number, yet you are attending school and physically located in California in the Pacific time zone. So if all I have is just that area code, which is East Coast, I'm in Central, I'm going to call you based on East Coast time. So sometimes it is easier just to simply put Houston, Texas, the recruiter knows you're Central. So when I make that call, I have an idea. The other thing on um, a uh, email, make sure it is a professionally named email, typically with your name or your, um, your initials with maybe some numbers. But let's not put abs galore, super body, superman one at G. Let's not do that. It needs to be a professional email. So create And I recommend even creating a special email that's totally dedicated for uh, applications and resumes. This way, it does not get lost and trapped with all the other things that you're getting in your own personal email account. He did state use your EDU uh, or school institution um, uh, uh, email. I also encourage anyone that is a, uh, a graduate being either a senior or leaving school and applying for jobs to put your personal email address, because I have found many, many times individuals we have, as a recruiter, the system will send out to whatever that particular email address. And then the person says, oh, I don't check my school, e-, you know, after they leave campus. So add a second email address, a personal one, if especially you are leaving campus um, to, um, to ensure that it, it doesn't get bounced back. And then one last thing on phone numbers. It is a huge do not, do not, do not. If you, I really only want a cell phone number because that's the immediate contact. I have some people that will put Believe it or not, landlines still exist if you live with parents or grandparents and they don't want to give it up. But if you're not answering that phone and I'm leaving that, but don't even bother putting it. Put your cell phone number because a recruiter will contact you via phone as, as far as a physical voicemail, text message or email. So that means I also want to make sure most of the time they will pick up the phone 
do not have a uh, voicemail that says the person does not have voicemail set up at this time and you are looking for a job, that is a big red flag. Or you leave a voice message or you attempt to leave a voice message and we get the recording. This person cannot accept voice message at this time because their mailbox is full. So that means, A, you need to set up a professional sounding voice message. Do not have Jay-Z or Beyonce, Dre, whoever your favorite person playing their fav- your favorite song before I can even get to leave you a message. It needs to be your professional voice. Hello, my name, this is Sarah Freeman Smith. I'm unable to take your call at this time. Please leave your name and number and I will recall you back as soon as possible because that's your first line of impression over the phone if they call. And then make sure you dump all of those robocalls, even though those people left the voice messages, they don't go away by themselves. Please dump them because if a recruiter gets those two, that tells us, A, you do not have an attention to detail And even though you may say that, then how am I going to get in touch with you? And those are the two instant ways that they will use. So that's make sure you don't do that. Okay. From a contact perspective. Okay. So then let's go to the part where he mentioned about education. I agree with everything he stated, except we as HR professionals do want to see some relevant coursework, especially if it ties into what you are wanting to do. When I was uh, in my last college recruiting role, I worked for BP, a major oil and gas company. So we hired a lot of technical engineering talent, but we also had project managers, et cetera, et cetera, training programs. So we wanted to see how did you take thermal dynamics if you were in you know a particular engineering course? Because believe it or not, not only are you going to get interviewed by an HR person, but that technical or that hiring manager, he's looking to see what courses you took. And if he doesn't see that, he chances will either move your resume to the side or he's going to ask you, and why didn't you take that? Or was that one of your, what kind of grade did you get in? So I definitely want to see some uh, uh, coursework uh, as it relates to your degree. If I'm an accounting major, uh, you know, uh, cost accounting or or the extra other than just the standard um, prerequisites or the basic courses, the extra things. So take that opportunity to highlight that. He also stated to list both your major and your minor. That is great because it also tells a story. Sometimes it may not be correlating. It could be something totally different and you get an opportunity to state why you chose something as your minor. And he also mentioned to list your uh, GPA. That is great. You can list both overall, but if your uh, GPA is much higher in your uh, degree or your major, you can list that because that tells me your passion is truly that you want to excel in what you are majoring in. And sometimes it's those other underlying, let's say, I may not be as as good in English or some of the other, uh, you know, prerequisite courses that may have caused my GPA to drop. But if your uh, major has a much higher GPA, that's good. So you can just put 
uh, overall GPA is this, but major is X, which shows higher. So um, th- that is something we also look at. And I, and most good recruiters are going to always ask you, what was your most difficult course? And what kind of grade did you get? And why was it? And then what's your favorite? So that's why if we look at and we can see those things, that's why it's really good. So that's what uh, feedback I have there. And also to uh, list any academic honors, et cetera, just like he stated, um, dean's list, those sorts of things, scholarships, what have you. Um, then he stated to list uh, skills was at the bottom after work experience. I suggest, especially if you don't have a lot of work, volunteer, community activities, et cetera, put your technical skills right underneath education. That tells me because digital literacy is critical. I need to know that you're proficient in Excel and PowerPoint and Word, but I also need to know what software, you know, Adobe and whatever specific, especially as it relates to what you do. If you're in project management, do you have, you know, Microsoft Project or some of the other Primavera or some other project management software? If you have knowledge of any type of extra systems or programs that are there at the school, that uh, are common within the business in industry. So please make sure you use that to list your technical uh, uh, skills underneath it and then go into your education work experience, I mean, your uh, work experience. And again, work experience, even though you may not been paid, volunteer experience is great. Um, community uh, activities can also be used in lieu of that. Uh, also highlight extracurricular activities, especially if you took on leadership roles, uh, such as volunteer to be the fundraiser or volunteer to organize a after school program for, you know, a local school and talk about, uh, again, using those action verbs, uh, that, um, he mentioned. And I hope, uh, I'm not sure, uh, in his link, I'm quite sure he does have a list of action verbs, but if not, Tatiana can also share some, some action verbs in there. And uh, one of the young men asked about metrics or numbers. It is always good. Anytime you can use something to quantify something that you've done, you can state uh, reduced um, uh, spoilage of um, uh, food by 10% because we donated it to the local homeless shelter or something of that nature. So always being able to measure, you know, metrics and things of that nature. So from a work experience, and I would say no more than about three bullets, uh, unless it's, it's a lot, because what you need to do is you want to entice me to ask you more about, tell me what you did at that job. I don't need 15 bullets, everything. I walked in in the morning, I did boom, boom, boom. It's more so the more um, substantial things, the bulk of what you're, you were responsible for. And of course, anything that you were either recognized or any kind of achievements, improvements, enhancements, things of that nature. Um, I think then after work experience, then he stated um, I would list um, 
any type of social, I mean, any type of organizations uh, that you uh, were uh, a part of and participated. Again, if you had any type of um, leadership type roles, list that. And also um, make sure, um, even though it may have been in high school, it's still relevant. Let's say, for an example, if you were an Eagle Scout and Boy Scouts, Eagle Scout, Eagle Scout stands out on uh, resumes because we know that it is uh, a very um, uh, it's it, it takes a while to achieve it, but it's a lot of different projects and things that you have to go through. So don't take something as uh, I don't think that is is as important because it could be quite, quite relevant and be used as a, as a talking point um, from that perspective. So I did want to just make sure that I broke down what we look for. What we don't want to see is just, you know, a cookie cutter type resume that um, doesn't really, really highlight your strengths. We also want to see something that usually you will always see on a job posting, and that's called core competencies or transferable skills, leadership skills, communication skills, analytical skills, the ability uh, to be an effective time manager, uh, multitasking. These are things that need to be bulleted and highlighted, but they should coincide with what that job posting or job description that you're wishing to apply for. Uh, so make sure he, he stressed, this is your foundation, but for each job, you will probably have to customize every resume for that particular job. And uh, I know it seems like a lot of work, but as I tell people, looking for a job is an eight hour day job. So you will need to customize it because one company may put certain core competencies. They will list the, the first three or four are probably 75% of what you will do day to day. Well, if there's certain keywords, certain systems, certain processes that you're familiarized, that you're familiar with and you've got experience, you need to make sure it's on that resume because just as he stated, just about every company will use some form of applicant tracking system, even when you're applying through LinkedIn for jobs, uh, Indeed, or whatever, you know, job boards, they use uh, AI or applicant tracking. And so they will match what they pull from a company's job specifications to what they see you have on your resume. And they will shoot that to a recruiter and say, this is a 75% match or it's 25%. You do the math. Who's going to get the call first? The one who has the higher match point. So that's why you have to try to mirror what you see on the resume. And one other point uh, I, I forgot to mention. At the beginning of the resume, he stated you do contact uh, information. Then he went straight into education. There should not necessarily, we don't need to see career summary because you don't have a career summary, but you do need an objective, a career objective. Because if I get a resume that doesn't have that and you majored in accounting, you may not want to be an accountant. I have no idea. You may want to be in cybersecurity doing something totally different. You need to tell me what you are looking for. And that career objective is, in other words, your elevator speech. You know, that's that 
one minute or less. I'm seeking an entry-level opportunity with a startup financial services organization where I can leverage my extensive uh, finance and uh, accounting uh, 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 skills to help an organization achieve their goals or something. Now, this is just something I just did off, off the fly, but you need to tell me what you're looking for. However, remember I said you need to customize that resume to every job. Don't let me read you want a, an entry-level job with a financial service startup company, and I am a pharmaceutical company. So make sure you tailor it to meet whatever that particular job is going to be. So I think right after your contact information, it's usually, again, career objective and one sentence, no more than two, but a brief summarization of what you're doing. And that would be an excellent way to use uh, chat GPT to craft, you know, your um, career uh, or your um, objective. So uh, I also know that a lot of my recruiters, we wanted to see what did you do when you weren't studying? What kind of uh, hobbies, what kind of things? That tells me another story. Are you more of an introvert? Do you like to just read and chill? Or are you an adventure seeker? That sort of thing. Again, it gives me a full picture of who you are. Now, I don't need a long laundry list, but a couple of things, especially if you've kind of got a unique, you know, uh, hobby or, or, or interest, that is a good talking point. So uh, I, I would not discuss uh, discourage you not to list that if you have that opportunity. And yes, if you have probably just gone to school for four or five years, you could probably get all of that in one page, but it is okay to go to two, but it needs to be something to substantiate going over two pages. However, once you get into the workforce, there is no hard or dry, you know, set rule that, you know, you got to encapsulate 10 years into one page. If it takes that two page, it just needs to be good quality information from that from that perspective. So um, I just want to emphasize, make sure that you uh, uh, relate and can make sure it's relevant and it is um, relatable so that the reader on the other end can help connect the dot. It's your job. Don't make me figure out what does she want to be when she grows or he grows up for the first time. You need to make sure that I can clearly see this is someone I want to talk to because I think that they can add value. Because the bottom line is what every recruiter or a company is thinking in the back of their mind when they're picking up that phone and interviewing you is what can you do for me? And you've got to talk about what you bring to the table and can achieve. And the only way to do that is to start out by listing those things on your resume. So uh, at, at this point, I probably could still go on a little bit more, but I'm going to be a little bit cognizant to open it up, you know, allow Tatiana to open it up for a little bit of Q&A and then kind of go from there. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, before we get into any raised hands, um, I have a couple of questions and a couple of announcements to just help specify some things. So before we get into questions, guys, I would highly recommend that you pull out your resume or you get some bullet points down of some things you would like to put on your resume. 
because we will be doing a short exercise in a couple minutes to help you guys just fledge out some of that information and give you the chance to bounce it off of an actual hiring director and see how it sounds. Um, so before we get to that, I know that you are really emphasizing that you want to get to know the applicant that's applying. Is that something that can be focused on more so in a cover letter as well? Um, to be perfectly honest, most recruiters don't read cover letters. And I'm also going to be brutally honest. Most recruiters, when they are scanning after they get the resumes, they spend less, less than 30 seconds on a resume because they're looking for certain bullet points. So mm. um, a hiring manager, perhaps some would read cover letters. Some may not, but you got to get to the hiring manager first. It, the, mm-hmm. the, the gatekeepers or the screeners are typically that, that recruiter or someone who's looking for certain things. So you can add it, you know, you do get some people that read everything, but the vast majority, they're just going to go cut straight to what does this person bring to the table that aligns with what we're looking for. So, uh, but it is good to have because if you want to try to explain why you are passionate and want to go to work for that company that gives you that opportunity to share it. And you do hope that someone will open it up and, um, and read that. Okay. Awesome. I also do want to emphasize that um, cover letters do help with the elevator pitch. So, you know, the age old question of tell me about yourself. Exactly. Even if, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, I will open up the floor for questions and just to remind you guys to pull out your resumes if you want to bounce some things off. Um, but yeah, do we have any hands raised currently? We do. Mitchell, I've just given you permission to talk. Hello, hello again. <laughs> Hi, Mitchell. So, Hi. So, um, a question relating to what you were talking about regarding GPA. So, uh, to give a little background, um, in my freshman year of college, I had a lot of difficulties with accessibility-related stuff, and my GPA was horrible. But um, since then, I've been consistently going up. My GPA has been consistently going upwards, and I'm curious what a, how I could actually go about exploring expressing that on maybe a resume so like because i feel like in that case the gpa itself might not tell the entire story but how i got there probably would help um that's a good question because i'm, I'm quite sure you, you're not unique even with accessibility issues no to- I, I highly doubt that i, no, I, I no, highly no, doubt i'm the no, only one right no, so freshman year uh, definitely is always a challenge for, for, for many, many students. So I'm not totally uh, sure that you really have to address it because oftentimes, again, recruiters know you're not going to always be, you know, a, um, a, a, a Rhodes Scholar from the moment you walk in that door until the, the moment you exit. So even if that GPA is, is less than 3.0 and you have the, and they've called you, and you've got the interview, Mitchell, then don't address it. You're with me? If you get to that point, yep. you've passed that, you've passed the test. So they mm-hmm. want to talk to you. So 
you may interject, especially at the end, you know, when they ask, is there anything that you'd like, you know, for us to know or, or any other additional questions, you may just simply, you know, state that uh, I'm, I'm very, you know, glad to have this opportunity. I, I recognized um, just as I started, you know, my my freshman year in school, there were accessibility challenges and they may very well be within companies and corporations, especially mm-hmm. if they have not hired someone uh, with uh, a vision disability. But as you can see, I was able to overcome that uh, over the next three years and my GPA continued to uh, go higher as a result of that because I was able to manage and execute things flawlessly. So that may be your opportunity, but if you get that call, you've already overcome that. So Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Matthew, you can hear me? Okay. Thank you so much. It was um, uh you really, you really taught me a lot. Um, one of my questions, uh, sorry, was where, so where should I mention like the other stuff, like um, like some of my hobbies and like outside stuff? You mentioned that like that it's important, like that we should mention so some hobbies and things that you like mm-hmm. to do outside of school. Okay, that should be your last liner. On your last liner, right? Because. Uh, remember, and I always see resumes provided upon request. You don't even need to don't don't put that. That's 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 the obvious statement. We don't need the resumes, you know, during that course, as he's also stated during the application process, if that is necessary. So just that 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 one line uh, hobbies, extracurricular activities, you know, bullet, bullet, you know, a couple of things, or, or it could be just one long sentence, horseback riding, you know, tennis, um, you know, whatever you do, but, but that right. would be, that. I, I do want to caution, and I didn't share this, lean away from any uh, volunteer uh, work that's politically oriented, because it can go well, or maybe not, so just don't mm-hmm. address it, just don't put that, so. Mm-hmm. Love a shot. Hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for sharing all of those insights that you've acquired over the years. It seems like what you said is that recruiters spend less than 30 seconds. I've heard even harsher estimates from others, such as less than seven seconds. So it seems like, yeah, it really is about what jumps out on a quick skim. And I feel like in my resume, I know there are a couple things about my background that are particularly noteworthy and that would catch someone's attention if they read that. And I'm trying to figure out how to optimize for making it most visible such that a quick skim would definitely reveal that. But I struggle to sometimes do that because at the top I have my name and then the contact information and then I have... um, I think education and then skills or maybe skills, then education and then experience. And then, for instance, I have the accomplishment section wherein my top accomplishment, Mm -hmm. I think, is quite noteworthy um, and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So how do you have any suggestions to forefront maybe a couple of things that you really want a person Mm -hmm. looking at your resume to notice? As you have stated, good question. Um, uh, As you've stated, if you have enough that you have a section for accomplishments, because there's no no hard 
core rock uh, and steadfast rule. You can make just like you have education, uh, work experience, extra. You can make a bu- accomplishments. Use bullet points. Bullet points bring my eye to what you want me to see. So if it's something that you stated, there's a couple of things you need to express that accomplishments, achievements, you know, noteworthy awards, how whatever that is, then put that, you know, as, as a whole section in bulleted and bring my eyes to that specifically. Okay. If it's not already embedded in, in mm-hmm. one of those other areas. Okay. But our last hand is Malia. Hi, Malia. I was wondering, like in the skills category, I was wondering like what kind of proficiency would a recruiter be thinking of if someone said they were proficient in a language? Like what level of proficiency? You mean a foreign language or, uh, or, or computer language? I'm sorry. No, my brain is going uh, different directions. Which language? A foreign language. Uh, you know, I, I would simply put proficient in Spanish slash French and leave it at that because they're not going to quiz you during the interview, unless you happen to be talking to a French-based company and they're going to go, we're going to do the interview. You see where I'm going? It is your job then at that point in the job description, usually it will say must be proficient in reading, writing, and speaking. If that's the case and you can do that, then mirror what they stated. Remember keywords. They want to see that. However, if they say uh, bilingual uh, slash Spanish a plus, they didn't ask the level. They, it could just be some conversational Spanish. I don't have to read it. So just simply put proficient languages, proficiency, Spanish, and let them ask the question. Okay. Okay. Does thank that- you. All right. We do right. have um, just a couple minutes left. So I do once again, want to thank all of you guys for attending Um, If you do have any lingering questions you did not get to ask on this call, please feel free to email me at T-T-A-N-A-L-A-C-H-E at gmail.com. Again, that is T-T-A-N-A-L-A-C-H-E at gmail.com. Thank you folks so much and you guys have a good one.